Welcome into another episode of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, as usual, David Hoffman. We are officially... Oh no, I did it again. It's officially. We are officially at episode 25. And uh, before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to No Copyright Music on YouTube. They're the ones creating the music that I'm playing. It's obviously no copyright music, so it's free. I'd like to thank you guys for that. With me being a broke college student, I'm grateful for you guys. Go subscribe to them. No copyright music. Welcome to episode 25, guys. Uh, man, I just can't believe how we keep racking up these numbers. I mean, we were officially halfway to 50. Shoot, we might have to have like a Mario and Dreddy reunion at like episode 50. That might be a cool one. Or something else, who knows. I won't try and think too much about that. Anyway, if you haven't already, you should go check out our previous episodes, including episode 23, with the legendary 16-time NHRA Funny Car Champion John Force, and our official 2021 IndyCar Preview with IndyCar Radio's Ryan Marine. With that, let's get right into today. On the show today, we have 2019 Indy 500 winner and 2016 IndyCar Champion Simon Pagano. The Team Penske driver burst onto the IndyCar scene with then-Sam Schmidt Motorsports winning the inaugural Indy Grand Prix in 2014. Since then, the Frenchman has notched 15 IndyCar Series victories, along with a championship in 2016 and a stellar Indy 500 victory in 2019. Pagano has been a fan favorite since his emergence into the sport, and you can't deny that his neon yellow Menard Chevrolet is a thing of beauty. Well that's enough chit chat, let's get right into it guys. So sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack. I prefer popcorn and ice cream, something like that. <laughs> but anyways, enjoy this episode with Team Penske's Simon Pagano. Hey Simon, can you hear me? Good morning, yes. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Awesome, thank you. I love all the helmets back there. That's perfect oh, setup. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's nice, right? It's, it is a bunch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How are you doing today? Awesome, awesome. Just uh, resting before Sebring. I'm leaving tomorrow for the for the 12 hours. So, um, yeah, it's been, uh, the last two days been about resting and, you know, working on the simulator a little bit, trying to uh, find the extra little bit I'm going to need over the weekend. But uh, feeling good. That's anyway. true, uh, Obviously, you'll be running with uh, Kamui Kubayashi and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, how do you think that'll go um, this weekend? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Kamui is, is a phenomenal driver. Uh, and obviously, those cars are, are the cars that he usually drives. He's very used to it. He doesn't know the track, so it's going to take him a little bit of adjustment. Um, but, you know, he's a world-class driver. He's um, won Le Mans. Uh, you know, you would... You can expect incredible things from him. So it's very exciting to be by his side. And obviously, Jimmy um, keeps keeps improving, keeps doing a great job. So um, I, I can't wait to see um, how it turns out at Sebring. But uh, the test, he was very good, and uh, he loves the car. So it's um, it's it. We all enjoy it. And you were able to share the ride uh, with Action Express at Daytona, and uh, with those two, and just with Jimmy more specifically. Just how was that experience for? at least like from your point of view, just watching him be able to absorb things and learn from you guys. Well, he's very, um, let's say he has a very low ego <laughs> compared to most drivers and, and compared to his, um, his uh, success on track. It's, you know, obviously he's, um, he's one of the most um, successful driver of all time. If you look at the entire world and all the series, there aren't many seven time 
champions uh, in their in their own category. So uh, knowing that and 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 seeing how Jimmy operates is, is quite surprising. Um, uh, you would think that he would know better than anyone, uh, but that's definitely not the case. He's very um, um, he wants to learn everything. He wants to understand everything. He wants to you know he's doing it for himself. You could tell he's he wants to prove it to himself that he can be at a level where um, he enjoys it. Um, and, 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 you know, he's doing a great job just going through the motion and learning. Uh, you know, this week he sent me a message, was like, hey, man, look at this. I, I, you're going to have to explain to me how I can pass cars without putting the car at risk. Uh, so he sends me videos and, and we exchange like that. It's, it's honestly, for, for me, it's, it's really enjoyable because Jimmy and I have very similar personalities. So we're just becoming friends um, and it's, it's enjoyable to do that as friends. And just going along with uh, the Jimmy train to start off <laughs> this uh, interview, uh, just he's moving over at Indy, IndyCar, um, just running the road and street courses. And just what's impressed you the most just with seeing how he's been able to adapt and like just what he said and what do you expect us to see out of him as he continues to kind of get over that learning curve? Well, you know, it's not going to be an easy task. I think, you know, everybody really need to understand that, you know, it's basically the same as Michael Jordan going to play baseball. Um, that's really exactly what's going to happen. So, you know, obviously Jimmy is learning. Jimmy is getting better every time he gets in the car, but there's only five days of testing uh, before the season starts. It's not like it used to, be, used to be back in the days and you would do 50 days of testing and uh, you could be ready. Now, you know, obviously we have simulators, but um, for some reason, the younger generation knows how to use simulator better. Um, but, you know, there's nothing better than real life. So uh, it's very little testing for him to adapt from, you know, being 20 years in a NASCAR uh, to driving a single seater with a lot of downforce. Um, tires react very differently. Uh, less space, a different environment, and a different kind of racing. You know, the, the rules are different. Uh, the way to race is different. Uh, the way to save fuel is different. Everything is different. So it's a very, very difficult task. It, it's the same as an IndyCar driver going to NASCAR. We've seen it with Dario Franchitti, uh, Danica Patrick. It, it's, it's extremely difficult to switch categories. So especially those two. Um, so we have to understand that, you know, um, but I think he's going to do great, um, you know, knowing those factors. Uh, he's already showing incredible adaptation skills. Uh, so I look forward to it. I hope, you know, the biggest thing is, is I want him to have fun. And, 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 you know, it's just going to be phenomenal to have him with us, race with us. And moving on, what's, I like to start off my interviews uh, with every uh, uh, guy. Just So what's a question that you're surprised you haven't been asked before? I know you've been asked a lot of questions, but <laughs> are there any that you can think of? That's an extre extremely good question that I've never been asked. Yeah, well, that one right there, I've never been asked. But uh, I like the thought because, you know, we tend... It's funny, I was just watching a Blink of an Eye. I don't yeah. know if you watched it. Great show. Um, intense in terms of emotion, um, like a war trip. You know, it's great to learn uh, his story a bit better, quite frankly, because I was young when it all happened. And um, 
I didn't have a good understanding of where, where he was and, and how his career went. So it was really great to watch. But I was telling my wife, watching it, it was like, listen to interviews. They're all the same question as it is now. Uh, and, and sometimes it's very redundant. And we need to attract new fans. We need to attract yeah. a new crowd. We need to make it interesting. It's not going to be interesting if we keep asking the same questions. So uh, I really like the thought. Um, unfortunately, I'm maybe not that creative. So I don't know if I, I know what I've not been asked. But um, uh, it's a very good question. And that's definitely the direction we need to go to. <laughs> I'd asked, I know Mario and Jordi a couple months ago, he had said, uh, when he woke up in the morning, I thought that was kind of an intriguing question. So <laughs> what time did you wake up this morning? I, I, I think the question I would like to be asked is how do you go about your life? You know, what is it? You know, is it a lot of my friends that don't spend much time with me on a daily basis will think that um, all I do is go to the racetrack and that I can wake up at 11, uh, watch TV. I do some simulator, which is fun because it's a video game. Um, <laughs> You know, like there's a whole work behind the scene that people don't get to see. And even for family and friends, it's difficult for them to grasp the scope of the work of a race car driver. Um, and it's becoming, I don't know how it was back in the 70s or 80s, whatever. But I know that today it's a very heavy task load between the physical training that you do um, and how you tweak those things with your trainer. What's the relationship there? How many hours does it take you a day? Uh, the stretching, the recovering, the nutrition, the hydration, um, and then the simulator work. You know, we all have simulators now at home. Um, and I use that as a training tool. Um, and I used it until 11.30 last night, for example. Uh, you know, things like that, that you go, you wake up, you think about racing. You go to bed, you think about racing. It's, 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 um, it's a very consuming uh, lifestyle. And you mentioned just with, uh, you know, working out, getting as many, just, you know, always thinking about racing. Uh, what does your kind of like workout and just eating program look like just prior to the season? And then how do you keep that up during the season, just with the strenuous work that you have to go through? Yeah. So off season, um, obviously the training is heavy. Um, I usually get about four weeks of rest after the season ends. And in, uh, I would say, mid-November, we restart training. Um, and we do, uh, uh, you know, a little bit of endurance to start to get the muscle back in, uh, in the rhythm. So weightlifting uh, mixed up with some cardio with bicycle or rower machine. Uh, rowing is extremely similar to driving a race car. Uh, you know, you obviously use all your muscle to row and you can't breathe all the time because you're making that effort. It's the same in the race car. So rowing is extremely uh, similar use that a lot. Um, but yeah, um, I would say it's, it's five times a week of training. Um, five times a week on average for me, it's the whole process of stretching um, the workout and everything's three hours. And then obviously the nutrition is a big part of it because you got to eat before, after, during. Uh, so I eat five times a day, uh, snacks, obviously, um, to try to balance that out. And um, I've got a nutritionist I work with that tries to balance out what I eat, you know, how much I eat and what is it that I get? Um, because basically nutrition is fueled to your body and your brain. So you really need that. It's, it's definitely something I've put a, 
a big uh, emphasis on. And then uh, the mental side of things a bit more abstract, but it's uh, for me a lot of visualization. Um, you know, I, I just try to convince myself of situations. Um, and I try to do it in, in my head. And when I get to the racetrack, I'm fully ready to, uh, to execute. And you mentioned just with, yeah, like I, what I've always been fascinated by is uh, what is the, all like the light, the light thing where you have to do all that um, reaction time. How does, I've always been intrigued just how that works and like what like the process is with the light uh, touching down, not like exactly what it's called, but. Yeah, some people use a system called BATAC or um, you know, a bunch of light system. I personally don't use it. Maybe I should. Maybe I will now that <laughs> we talked about it. But um, my days are pretty full already. But uh, I use other things for, uh, for reflexes, uh, computer games, um, mind games. Um, but, uh, but some people use it as, as they use it in their training. Uh, it's really good for the, the, the fibers of the muscle, the intense fibers, the quick fibers. Uh, so, you, you know, you're working your brain, but you're also working physically. So it's also fun to do. Uh, but the light, you know, obviously, when you drive a race car, you get all these objects. Uh, it's an overload, sensory overload, right? And, and then you want to be able to treat the information with a single focus. Because the brain can only uh, treat one thing at a time. So uh, it's a way to focus on the light and react quickly to it and, and just connect this area of the brain. So it is a really interesting um, process. Uh, I've done it. I enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm sure you've definitely been doing a lot. And as you know, and going into um, this upcoming season, um, what are your expectations just for the season? And I know last season they had some highs and lows, but how do you kind of counteract that and get better to go forward to the season? Yeah, there's a sense of normalcy coming back, I would say. Uh, you know, obviously, I think the U.S. has adapted really well to, um, uh, you know, the COVID situation. Uh, our team's done a great job at uh, protecting everybody on board um, and making sure that, uh, you know, everybody's in good health. Uh, and that's been amazing. Uh, IndyCar Series has also done a great job at uh, protecting uh, their fans and their drivers. Uh, we... We're sad not to have many fans at the racetrack last year, but that seems like it's going to go in a better direction with the vaccine now. Uh, so that's really nice, really nice to see that, you know, we're not confined at home or anything and we can see what's about to happen. So uh, I look forward to Barber, uh, April 18. It's, um, I can't wait, but uh, yeah, it feels like, you know, it's possible to go to the race shop again. Uh, I can talk to my engineer and go there. I can see my crew, which last year was not the case. Um, so I feel very energized, very motivated for this year. It feels like a, a restart, you know, a restart of a, uh, a whole decade. Um, you know, it, it usually feels like the years just keep on going. This one, it felt like 2020 was a stop and then we go again. So I, I look forward to that. I, I, um, I'm very well prepared on, on every aspect. I've, I've worked more than I've worked every, any other years. Um, I worked into more details. Uh, worked into more details on myself, on the race car, on, on the kind of races. And uh, I feel ready. I feel ready. My engineer is also very ready. The crew is very motivated. The car looks beautiful. Um, it's, it's, it's as yellow, uh, yellow as, it, as it's ever been. So, uh, so I look forward to it. And the team has done a great job preparing for the Indy 500. So uh, as you know, that's, that's my number one priority. Uh, so I, I, I look forward to, to the month of May.
And you mentioned the Indy 500 the whole month of May. Uh, just what makes Indianapolis just so special and to be able to like what all goes into getting it right for those 500 miles? Well, it starts when the checkered flag um, flies, really. Um, it's the work that you do um, for the year coming up. That's, that's really important for speed. You know, at the speedway, you know, we're talking about the speedway. It's, you, you're reaching 245 miles an hour at the end of a straightaway. Anything that's not aligned well with the bodywork, anything with the aerodynamics that's not perfect is going to have an effect. And, and you might lose half a mile an hour, which is massive at the speedway. So the team has been re working really, really hard at understanding why last year we weren't as competitive as a team. And, and try to understand how we were so competitive in 18 and 19 when we won both races. So, um, you know, I have huge expectation. I know the team has made huge progress, um, lots of positive. And um, yeah, I look forward to it. I think it's going to be a, a really strong year for that. And we've got Norman. I don't know if you can hear him oh, yeah. in the background. <laughs> Greeting you guys. <laughs> can't go wrong with that. Uh, speaking of Norman, um, I'm a big dog lover myself. I have uh, two uh, miniature Australian shepherds, or actually not three. Um, but, nice. Um, <laughs> I have to ask, how is uh, Norman doing? <laughs> he's great. He's great. Um, he slept with his grandma last night, which is very unusual. Uh, didn't sleep with us. Uh, he's, a, he's a great dog. He's just so much fun to have around. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just not very happy. It's raining today. So uh, so I think it's going to be a grumpy day for Norman. <laughs> Any uh, rainy day is going to be a grumpy day for a dog. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, how would you describe uh, Norman's personality? Uh, you know, he's a Jack Russell, so he's very stubborn, a little bit like me. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, He's got his mood swings, uh, definitely. You know, I was walking him last night back home. We, we, we always walk. Uh, I walk him around just so he, he can get his energy, um, you know, going. Um, Jack Russell need to spend their energy, otherwise they get grumpy. And um, we come to this intersection and he stops and he looks at me and I'm walking back toward the house. And he, he stopped and he won't move. And he looks, he's looking at me the whole time. And I'm like, okay, man, let's go. Let's go home. It's late. It was like 11, yeah, 11 something. And he won't move until I would get back to him. Then he goes and cross the street and go on the other side. So, you know, that's how he is. Uh, he basically walks me. Uh, he decides what we do. And I just have to be there for him. So, um, yeah, he's a great dog. I really love him. It's always cool to see him at the racetrack. And, you know, like, I'm sure that gets a lot of energy out, too. And I'm sure he's he'll be happy to be back to the track more this year, I'm sure. <laughs> You've got a lot of race fans that want to see him. So, uh, yeah, he needs to get back to the racetrack. <laughs> uh, I have to ask, this is my fiance. She'd read an article um, is about your very specific coffee routine that you have in the mornings. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's just, been just a, finished my third one. <laughs> She'll have to uh, get on that more. Um, but she's a big coffee drinker herself. And I was wondering just what does your coffee routine look like in the morning? Well, I wake up. The first thing I do is I make a coffee for me and for Haley. Um, that's the first thing I do. Um, uh, I take it black with, uh, with two, two teaspoons of sugar because I'm a sweet guy. And Haley likes it with uh, with a little creamer. So I make those coffees. And then uh, I get on my emails and check that everything everything you know didn't fall from the sky. And then um, 
and I'd go to the next coffee and to the next coffee. And at the third one, I stop because it's usually around this time, 1130. Uh, and, and if I have any caffeine afternoon, I can't sleep the next night. So, <laughs> but yeah, I knew I need my coffee to get going. Uh, I love the taste. I think I love the taste of sugar before anything. But uh, yeah, it's, it gets me going. It's, it's a routine for sure. And I'm moving on just uh, during some of the more difficult times, that, you know, like having a bad season or having like a bad stretch of runs, uh, just how do you stay motivated to keep going during those times? Well, I'm, I wouldn't say I've had terrible seasons. I mean, I, you know, they are better and worse seasons, but uh, if you look at my background in general, it's been pretty good. I've been very fortunate, uh, very fortunate with a lot of wins and, and championships. So obviously, when you're at the top, uh, like I have been, um, you know, there will be years where it's not as easy and things don't go your way. Uh, quite frankly, it's acknowledging, a lot of the times acknowledging that, you know, there are outside factors you can't control. And other times you got you to gotta assess also if you could have done a better job, uh, you know, um, and, and that goes beyond just the driver. Um, of course, there's the scope of the driver. So, you know, you need to assess that, but it's, you know, the whole team around you. And is it a lack of relationship? Is it a lack of communication? There's so many, so many combination of things that could, uh, could go wrong uh, that you need to constantly work on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, you know, I'm, it's crazy. I was, I was having this conversation with my dad the other day. I was like, you know, I'm still learning so much every day, every day. And I, I've won pretty much everything I've done in racing and I'm still learning. And I wish I was 18. And I knew as much as I do now because I would just destroy everybody. <laughs> but um, it, it's such an interesting uh, sport for that reason. It's like you just keep learning and there is no school for it. You know, there's no school for racing uh, to be a race car driver. Nobody teaches you um, how to talk to your engineer, what you need from your race car, because we're all different. So it's very interesting uh, and every year is a completely different, even though you could have the same car. Uh, and that's what makes it so enjoyable. And um, I mean, obviously it's probably a good thing you <laughs> didn't know everything that you know now, because yeah, like you said, there probably won't be any, <laughs> any remorse. It wouldn't be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how do you like kind of bounce like ideas off like your teammates? How much do you kind of learn from them on a daily basis? Cause a guy like a Will Power, um, the, or a new garden and now Scott McLaughlin, uh, how do, how do you kind of just bounce ideas off of each other and how much do you do like with that? Well, it's a really interesting dynamic we have in the group. I think being four is really good. Um, you know, any, um, any, um, any pairing like that when you have two and two is really good. Um, I think it just flows the information better. It also allows for two to be on one side, two to be on the other side, you know, different kind of desire from the race car. But what's interesting is obviously you have to pick the qualities and the weakness of each drivers. Um, and Will Power, for example, is the probably the fastest over one lap of, of the group. Um, then you've got New Garden, who's really strong in races. Um, then you've got uh, Scott, who's brand new, fresh from supercar. So he's got a different experience, but extremely talented driver. Um, that requires something very similar to what I like, for example, from a race car. And, um, and I'm very complete uh, as, a, as, a, as a package. And I never crash. So, um, you know, consistency has been the key word for me um, in my career. 
So it, it's interesting to see the, the different balances between all three drivers. If you put all those three drivers together, it's the best driver of the paddock and, uh, and you know, nobody else will be winning. But um, obviously it's about understanding what's there, what they're good at, what they're not good at doesn't really matter because you can't use it, but what they're good at, it can teach you something. So, you know, you try to pick things out, understand how they work, what makes them strong in what area. And, and you try to become better. It's a constant daily um, chase to get better. Um, and having teammates is, is massive for that. And uh, just moving on to uh, the 2019 Indy 500. Uh, take us through just that. Entire... Best time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's going to take us through that entire, just that entire day and just leading up to what, I mean, I'm sure the nerves have to be a little bit um, up there or, I mean, I don't know. It could be like as even keel as any other race, but I'm sure it's kind of hard to. I tell you what, it, it, it was interesting uh, 2019 because probably the less stressed out I have been going into Indy. Um, it was a good intensity. It wasn't too much. I wasn't stressed. I was not anxious. I was eager uh, to go to go forward and, and lead the race and, and just finish it, finish it up, close the deal. That was my idea. Um, I got into that meeting in the morning. Uh, you know, we do, uh, we do a, um, uh, a briefing with my, my 22 team before the race. And um, I got in there and I said, listen, I want to lead. I want to lead the most lap. I want to go out there and control the race. I said, I don't want to save fuel. I'm not going to save fuel. I'm just going to go. And the weather was uh, threatening. So it was playing in my, in my court. Um, and, you know, I would say the year before I was probably more stressed out when I got to the grid, uh, and the year before that, I know I was more stressed out in 2012, my first year was horrible. <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, you know, about just about to puke before you get on the grid because of the, the nerves. But, um, remember it's the fastest race in the world. It's the most important in the world to a driver that's competing in it. First of all, you're lucky to compete in that race. Uh, sitting on the pole is an honor, like I was in 19. Winning it is the absolute gift you could get from the God of Racing. So, um, you know, it's uh, the fans being there, uh, obviously not last year, the fans being there make it such an electric event, uh, such a, uh, an energy field. It, it's phenomenal. It's it's. You can't compare it to anything else I've ever experienced in racing. It's it's just um, it's a it's an arena. It's a gladiator arena, and uh, and you're out there trying to uh, to survive and 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 just just try to destroy everybody else. It's it's incredible. It's such a great feeling when it works well. Such a bad feeling when it doesn't. And I know those final couple of laps with Rossi in 2019 were fierce to say the least. Uh, how were you able to outlast him during that time? Because it seemed like it was kind of more back and forth for a while, but then you were able to power around him and keep that lead. Yeah, I think, um, you know, looking back, uh, the strategy was interesting. I, I just wanted to be in the lead the whole race. I just wanted to control. I knew I had a fast car. Uh, we were fastest in practice, fastest in qualifying, fastest in the race. And that led most of the race. So um, when Rossi came back after the problems he had, you, I knew from practice he was going to be the threat. But when he came back, he was a big worry because he could follow me, he could pass me. He was the only one to be able to do that. 
everybody else that passed me that race, I just let them buy to save fuel um, when I was asked. <laughs> but uh, Rossi managed to figure out his car and set his car up. He's very good at the speedway. He's, extreme, he's probably one of the best at the speedway right now. And he figured out a way. So he was my biggest threat. But uh, when they... When the crash happened, the team just asked me to let him buy to save fuel. So I let him buy. And the moment I let him buy, it goes yellow. So I was extremely upset with myself that I just let him buy and it went yellow and then red flag uh, because I was like, man, I just lost control. Uh, so I, I just gathered my, my thought and I thought the moment it goes green, I'm going to pass him, which I did when he passed me back. And then it was just about calculating the number of laps. Where was he passing me? Where was he stronger? Um, I obviously had the upper end, but the more laps we were doing, the better he was getting and he was improving quickly. Uh, so he got me worried for sure, but, um, but I was really focused on only going forward and being ahead. Um, and that last move I had on the last lap was my last, it was my last bullet. Um, I, I, I've been thinking about that move for many, many years. I visualized that moment many, many times. It was the, the it was the, uh, combination, I would say, um, that I calculated the most and visualized the most uh, as my number one, I would say. And uh, it's incredible it happened and I was very ready for it. So, uh, yeah, the, the finish was, was great. And uh, this final question uh, for me, just, um, just if you were trying to persuade fans, uh, whether outside of motor or outside of motorsports, or let's say they just watched the NASCAR or IMSA, what would you tell them to persuade them to say, Hey, you should come over and watch this. That's a great question, David. Um, well, you know, IndyCar is, is pure racing. Um, everybody pretty much has a chance to win the race. Uh, the cars are, uh, absolutely violent beast to drive, no power steering, the physical aspect of driving these cars is 80% of the performance. Um, the drivers push themselves to the absolute limit. We don't drive to uh, the limit of the car. We have to drive to the limit of ourselves to drive the car to, the, drive the car to uh, its maximum, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, so you get, a, you get to see 33 drivers just, you know, fight tooth and nails um, obviously it's the fastest race in the world also so you're never going to see a car that goes anywhere faster than this and um, and there's young bucks and all the guys like jimmy johnson um, we've got phenomenal drivers in the field now we've got formula one drivers uh, indycar drivers and it's it's the most pure racing you'll find on earth right now just because everybody has pretty much equal equipment so um, teamwork uh, teamwork's very important and uh, and yeah it's a three it's such an adrenaline rush the cars are so fast and so much on the edge um, to me it's the most accessible racing sport there is also and that makes it fun you can't go wrong with the access that IndyCar gives uh, the fans that's for sure yeah um, yeah for sure but um, I appreciate all the time that you've uh, given me today and uh, good luck at Seabrain and then obviously the IndyCar season I uh, hope to see you up front all uh, season long Thanks, David. That's the goal and no other way to do it. <laughs> Hope you have a good day, man. Thank you. You too.
hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Behind the Catch Fence with special guest Simon Paginot. It's always a joy chatting with guys like Simon who have just such a deep appreciation for the fans and media. You can never go wrong with talking about dogs, that's my ultimate motto, so that was a fun topic of discussion being able to chat about Norman. Simon Paginot has a lot of wins and championships coming his way in the future, and I wish him nothing but the best this season. I'd like to thank Team Penske's David Hovis for making this all possible. I'd also like to thank Simon once again for coming on to the podcast. We're just about out of time for today's episode. Look out for more interviews and content over the next couple weeks. Now, before I go, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Behind Catch. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you guys later.